top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. You it's more already know. I think that's how it always goes. Like 45 minutes, and we're at like Chelsea. What are we doing? Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. Welcome back to Top Bins. As Jeff Goldblum once said, life uh, gets in the way of recording last week's episode. So catch us uh, on this one. Sorry about it. But you know, things get in the way sometimes. Uh, we're busy people. And honestly, it's international break. So you know what? You get a little you get a little extra. Think of it as an extra little a little boost for you. Dom is asleep, of course, during the international break because that this one is the the more meaningful of them at least, because we have like World Cup qualification. So there's at least something on the line with a lot of these games. It's not just international friendlies, but that is my goes. Dom, besides asleep, how are you doing tonight? Great. Great. I'm feeling like life smacked me like Will Smith, but you know. <laughs> I'm chilling. I'm going. Wait, we did not even last almost a full minute before we got uh, a very. <laughs> but that's the only good thing about waiting a week, right? Is we got a, we got some content in Will Smith just smacking the shit out of uh, Chris Rock last night at the Oscars. Uh, unbelievable stuff there, I have to say. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure that'll be in the meme rotation for the next few weeks. It's the um, better Batman smacking Robin meme now. Yeah, like, that is very true. Uh, there's there's very, there's something really nice about it. The the sound, yeah, the sound was also very uh, echoey too on that. It was a mean hit. Um, I'm not personally an Oscars watcher. Couldn't tell you the last time I, I I wasn't either. But uh, when I woke up this morning, my wife said uh, Will Smith smacked Chris Rock last night at the Oscars. It was like as like a bit or like for real. And then I opened Twitter and the first 27 tweets of my Twitter feed were all about um, how this is like worse than nuclear war, I guess. Um, Somebody so, compared it to 9-11 and it was just- it That was, was a joke. That was a bit. That was a bit, which I loved. Um, but some people I think were actually serious and they said like, I don't know. We don't have to get into all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Judd Apatow did his, I don't know if you remember Sir Alex Ferguson when um, I think it was Ashley Williams kicked a ball at Robin Van Persie's head when he was on the ground. And uh, afterwards, Alex Ferguson was like, could have killed him. Um, <laughs> and people were bringing that one back with Judd Apatow saying that Will Smith could have killed Chris Rock with that slap. That's that's really funny. Uh, which, I, yeah, I, I did find some joy in. But Way to bring it back into the show, too. You're welcome. Uh, we're not here <laughs> to do that. We're not here for the celebrity gossip. We are here instead to talk about uh, some, some Roman gossip. Bring you back to, to last week where we're, we're going to discuss last week's game that we weren't able to get to. And this was a great one. Roma 3, Lazio nil. He had the, the Derby del Capitale. Fantastic one in, uh, in Italy last weekend. Uh, Roma 3 first half goals sinking Lazio who have not been able to maintain any time of consistency. I think every time we've mentioned them on the show this year, if you've been listening, um, from week to week, we've been like, yeah, I kind of like... Kind of like Lazio's team, I, I have something to believe in, especially early on in the season. They looked pretty strong. I think there's a lot to be hopeful about. And then every, ever since then, it's just been uh, wild inconsistency and uh, probably the hardest team to read in Italy this season is Lazio. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we sound like a broken record. And every day, every week that we feel confident when we're previewing the, the, the matchups the week prior to... Uh, for Lazio, and we're like, you know what, we, we'll, we'll take Lazio this week, maybe. They're looking good. And then we, we review the stuff in the show, and we're just like, oh, yeah. We're not even going to review the Lazio game, because guess what? They lost. So, you know, it's just, it's just I don't know. And then they'll smack a team 3-0, and then they'll go back to lose. And it's just, it's, we're tired of it now. We're tired of it. Yeah, find a new bit, Lazio. That's that's what we're asking you to do. Uh, sorry said after the first goal, which was, uh, I think, a record for this 
particular fixture by Tammy Abraham uh, that Lazio let their heads drop. That's not the first time Sarri has like questioned the mentality of this team. I can remember early on in the season after a loss, uh, he said they had to go away to the Alps and train harder uh, and like focus on themselves. And uh, Immobile like echoed that sentiment. I don't think that training worked a few months ago because they're still just prone to these like mental mistakes. And that was what a lot of this game went down to. Um, speaking of Tammy Abraham, he's had just a, a great season with Roma so far. One of the best uh, English exports ever already, if you can believe it, in terms of especially debut seasons. Um, he's been fantastic. He's a young player too, and we have so much more to see out of him. Uh, it's the best debut season for a, a new Roma signing. Um, by goal scoring output, at least as far as the other performances, I think you could make some other cases. But Tammy Abraham certainly putting up the goals, which is what they spent the money for. Um, and I think yeah, continues uh, what has been a a good like turn for Roma. I'm cautious to like give this too much credit because we've fallen into this rabbit hole before with Mourinho, where his teams have like a month and a half of really good form, and we think this is where they're turning the corner and they aren't but they do find themselves now in in sixth in the table they're level in points with Atalanta who do have a game in hand still but um that's the spot that Roma wanted to be in coming into the season I don't know that they necessarily expected to be breaking into the top four this year uh, but to be in contention for European spots is, is probably where Roma had themselves uh coming into this season and Pellegrini played fantastic again. Um, this hurts to say, of course, because Pellegrini played great in this game and has had overall a pretty strong season for Roma. And then it's just uh, not really included at all in Italy's uh, de destructive exit from uh, World Cup qualification. Um, yeah, I, I think the story of this now is Roma really pushing towards those European spots. They're, they're in position to maybe get in the Europa League. Um, very unlikely they obviously get top four, but uh, that I think was the goal for them this season. Yeah, I mean, it's not locked up just yet, right? You, you said uh, they're tied with Atalanta on points. Lazio is only two points behind. You know, for being as inconsistent as they are, Lazio could still find themselves in a European spot. So Roma still have some work to do. They're a lot closer to 6, 7, 8, 9, or maybe not 9, but 6, 7, 8 than they are 4th. So, you know, they have to do a little bit of a uh, – they have to continue this good run of form, Right. Uh, three wins, three draws in their last six. They can keep that up. Hopefully they'll mathematically lock this away soon. Um, it would be nice to see Roma in uh, European competition again uh, for as much slander as I give them. You know, it's, it, it would be nice to see again. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said, Lazio is still in contention, which is weird. You know, we, we always talk about them in a negative light, it seems. And you know, somehow they have still put together a decent run of form to, to put them in contention for that European fight. So, you know, credit to them. Yeah, they both have pretty tough schedules. I was just uh, kind of briefly glimpsing at. They still both have to play like some of the teams at the top of the table. Uh, Lazio still have to play Juventus and Milan uh, and Verona. Um, that's obviously not going to be easy. They play Sassuolo this weekend. That's obviously been a, a challenge for a lot of teams this year, whereas Roma still have Napoli uh, and Inter to play uh, this season. So both of them still with some some challenges. I, I wouldn't say they have uh, either one really has an advantage in terms of schedule for the rest of the year. I think Roma obviously is still in the Europa Conference League. They have Bodo Glimt, which could uh, complicate things a little bit for them. But yeah, that, that race for like the final European spot is going to be fascinating. Um, and you obviously still have like the title race wide open in Italy. And why don't we get to that title race, Dom, with... Uh, Cagliari nil, Milan won. Uh, huge win for Milan going into yes. the, the international break. Obviously, in terms of getting the points for the title race, but I think also like psychologically to go into that break with a win, knowing that your your top of the table status is secured uh, going into the the short break and and, and on upon return. Um, and it came off of uh, just a, a a really fantastic goal by Benacer. Um like a wonderful volley goal um and this was also a game that i felt like could have been like four three uh both teams missing like very very high quality chances uh which has not been the norm for milan they they've not really been a team that's created tons and tons of chances uh, especially on this like uh i'd say in 2022 they've been a team more of just mm -hmm. like efficiency rather than volume which is good that's i don't mean that in any kind of negative way but it was fascinating to watch this game in which neither team felt like uh <laughs> like really finishing their chances yeah definitely since the turn of the new year especially dealing with a lot of the injuries that they've been dealing with milan have turned to that more efficient aspect as 
opposed to the high-powered, counter-attacking, we're going to score lots of goals and get a lot of chances like they started the season out playing as. So, um, you know, it did grow a little stagnant, and it's nice to see them back, getting back into form, especially when it counts. Um, uh, this is one of those games, especially once they take the lead, that, you know, us Milan fans are like, uh, this, is, this is the game where we're going to lose, right? And this is the game where we're going to allow our, our, our rivals in, in the – title race to, to catch up. So, you know, it was nice to see that Milan got the win. Um, and, and yeah, with that goal, it's a very Giroud-esque pass, kind of like that kind of similar buildup that you were used to seeing like Arsenal in the mid 2010s kind of do where it's a lot of one touch passing, kind of just a layoff and then like a nice little hit. Uh, Benazar's volley, it was just incredible. If there's so. one thing about Giroud, is he he knows how to open up the hips and lay off a nice layoff pass yeah. for sure. Um, if, if there's one thing about Giroud, it's just he never takes more than one touch on the ball. If if, it, if, <laughs> if it's two, you gotta hold your breath, but if it's one and he knows what he's doing, he, he'll find a way to either score or he'll find a way to get it. To, uh, to a secondary striker or winger. So you said that this this game too was was a bit of a, a nail biter for you. There was the last minute header off the bar too from Cagliari, nearly a, a, a late late draw for them, which would have been important by the way because Cagliari are, are sitting right above the relegation mm-hmm. zone now, um, and Venezia have a, a game hand. Uh, Salernitana have, have a few games at hand, but let's be honest, they 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 very much seem uh, destined to go down this season. But Cagliari couldn't really afford. Uh, you know, drop points here, and they, they really could have done with that extra point, um, not able to do so. I thought Milan, especially like in terms of uh, disrupting play, were very good in this game. Cagliari only had a 67% pass success rate in this one. Uh, really speaks to the fact that Milan were, were playing well in terms of disrupting what Cagliari wanted to do, and were mm-hmm. winning a lot of their duels, which is important. Uh, Frank Cassier, uh, apparently, rumored, uh, it seems seems a, a lot more sincere now, though, that he is off to Barcelona on a on a free deal this summer um has to be disappointing for milan of course because as good as they've done over the past few years in rebuilding the squad and putting them in a position uh this is yet another time where they're losing a a talented player for free um obviously you know it is what it is make your peace with it but that has to be a a little bit of salt in the wound i would say yeah for sure uh it's definitely a player that they could have sold for for a decent sum of money to be able to put into their you know pocket for for you know future transfers but i think that's another reason why winning the scudetto is so important for them this year is the prize money right the prize money of getting back into the champions league the prize money of winning the league and not to mention they're, they're still in a coppa italia semi-final with inter where it's on level terms and, and on aggregate so you know they they still have a lot to play for um so they can bolster that that uh that budget for, for, you know, with all the rumors swirling around with certain players and, and, and whatnot, uh, you know, a couple seem like they're already verbally agreed on. So, you know, Milan, Milan it, it hurts to let him go, you know, for someone who's put so much for the team and, and has really worked hard through a lot of the criticism in his early days when he first started playing with the club to, to become the player he's been. Um, has, has, it's sad, but... There, there's a bright future with a lot of players at Milan. Um, you know, Tonali can fit right in there. They can find another another signing for that for that midfield to, to you know, add depth. And I, I think they're still in good shape even with him leaving. Um, yeah. It sucks. It sucks to, you know, not get anything for it. But, you know, um, I do want to highlight uh, one player. I, I don't think we got to talk about it after the game that he scored. Uh, but... Um, Pierre Kalulu has been absolutely massive for Milan lately. Uh, for a team that thought that they were going to have center back struggles, Tomori got injured, then Kier gets injured, Tomori comes back, Romagnoli isn't playing in the best form, and Kalulu basically is a fullback and had to step in and play center back. And he looks like it's going to become his more preferred position lately because he has been putting in great performances uh, paired with Tomori and, and really – making a case for competing with a spot for Kier and, and, you know, allegedly Botman is coming from Will to Milan. Uh, allegedly he's verbally agreed to terms and, and, you know, it's just Heard that for, the for four months now. I would yeah. say. <laughs> so, you know, 
I just I just want to shout him out. He's probably one of my favorite young players who's not named Rafael Liao on the uh, on the squad list. So I do want to shout him out. To get the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Get In The Whole Pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Yeah, uh, Milan still like yeah, like you highlighted still in the semifinal. The the domestic double not another question for Milan this season mm-hmm. uh, could still be done. Uh, their inner city rivals Inter Milan drew yet again. Uh, disappointing last few weeks months now honestly for Inter in terms of results. Uh, they've not been able. They they've really fallen off a long way in the title race now. I. I hesitate to say they're out of the title race uh, because, again, if they, they win their game in hand, they're only three points behind. But um, something tells me just the way that they're playing, their form, I'm not totally thrilled with it. Um, and it, it is it is a bit of concern now, and we obviously get them against Juventus uh, this weekend. That's a big game. It, it always is. Of course, it's a Derby d'Italia, but uh, has even more significance when you consider Juventus has been chasing them down for the last few months and uh, Inter have fallen off a little bit in that title race, of course. It um, seems like uh, quite a few Inter fans have begun to grow angry with a certain Turkish number 10. Um, you know, he puts together a few flare passes, a couple goals and assists, and uh, now you see the real... You see the real number 10. Okay, I, sir, I seem to remember you defending John Agu quite a bit, I would say. Napoli uh, also getting hey. a, a win as well. Our favorite player, Victor Osiman. Uh, he is certainly on the top He's end, so starting good. 11. He's uh, so good. Fantastic performance out of him yet again. He did pick up a yellow card in this, though, and is going to miss uh, this weekend due to like uh, yellow card accrual, accrual, which is like one of my least favorite things in the sport, personally. I, it's just, I don't know, just kind of sucks. <laughs> I get why, I get it, but it just, it sucks. Um, shall we move on to England, where really the only game of, of note in terms of the Premier League last season, uh, last season, geez, that's how long ago it feels. Uh, last week was Spurs 3, West Ham 1. The Spurs revival is back on, dot, 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 question mark. Um, unsure of that personally, but they had been going win-loss, 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 and they finally broke that, had two wins in a row for the first time in, I don't know, uh, 17 years, it felt like, um, Good performance out of Spurs, though. We're seeing a lot of that Kane-Son partnership. Kulusevski, uh, I think, really good again. Uh, Matt Daugherty, by the way. Fantastic performances uh, lately from him in that right-back spot. Um, that was obviously a, a position that he excelled in when he played for Wolves, right? Because they also played a three at the back, like you have with Conte's system. And uh, he's found himself scoring some goals and getting forward and looking a little bit like more the, the Daugherty that I think we kind of expected to see at Spurs when he moved there from from Wolves and at the time I thought it was a pretty good piece of business for them and he's starting to show some of that form that we're uh, we came to expect from uh, him when we saw him at Wolves uh, West Ham in this one they looked exhausted they had to go 120 minutes against Sevilla uh, a few days before in the Europa League which they did advance from which we'll get to in a little bit about uh, Europa League stuff but um, they looked absolutely tired and and fatigued and you could just tell that this was uh, this was always going to be an uphill battle for them yeah, um, nice to see Hyung, Hyung Min Sung uh, get on the score sheet with the brace. Um, yeah, that was if, his if, first. That was his first brace of the season. That was the first time he's had more than. It's uh, kind of incredible to think game. about. Right? When you consider what a he hasn't been at his like total best this season so far, um, and really Kane, it, the same could be said of Kane. I think both of them have underperformed a little bit this season to where we're, we're used to their level being, but. This is why I picked them to finish above Arsenal was because I felt like Kane and Son's partnership was better than anything Arsenal could throw forward. Um, you're starting to see that like bind a little bit, and I wonder if like in the last you know month and a half of the season now that actually like comes more to fruition. I do think that their system is starting to come together a little bit more, and especially with the new signings that came in in January becoming a little more comfortable in the system and 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 comfortable playing in England that you're going to see that uh with Spurs and like you said about Doherty is is wasn't he like a natural wing back anyway at Wolves yeah so, so he's so playing he very really much does, in the same position yeah he really does fit this system a little bit better I think Conte is starting to find the players that that really fit and maybe their their biggest thing is to find the center back 
because I don't know if Eric Dyer being a converted center back. Eric Dyer's been pretty good under Conte, I would say. And he has a lot of the sk- the skills that you would want out of a three at the back center back. He's he's good passing. He's good on he's, the ball, yeah. Yeah, and he, he's okay with aerial duels. I wouldn't say he's among the very best, but um, I actually think the, the partnership they have with him, him and Romero, I, th- I think can work. I'm not totally sold on that third spot. I, I know Ben Davis has played there a little bit, and I think there, there's probably room to explore a little bit. Like, Davinson Sanchez has not looked like the guy for them, uh, at least in my view um ben davies has been okay there but i, I think if you are going to upgrade it it probably would be on davies position rather than uh dire but yeah sure. spurs have, have looked good and i i think when i came away from this game thinking too is harry kane is might be one of the best passers in the league as well uh he i mean he led the he obviously led the league last year in goals and assists uh so th- this isn't new information but so often this season, we've seen him drop deep and play just beautiful balls through. And it's especially become, I, I think, extra notarized uh, under Conte's system because they're so quick at playing on the break now. Um, yeah. and, and they're able to exploit, especially with Kulisevsky giving aid to Sun. It's not just Lucas Mora, like, just sprinting forward with, with no direction sense whatsoever. Um, Kane has, has been fantastic again in the last few weeks and, and really in the last few months um, and back to kind of that that level that we saw him at uh, prior to this year. Um, but yeah, for West Ham, disappointing result. Certainly feels like a uh, top four is slipping away from them, but you know, they're, they're in Europa league. They're, they're in the quarterfinals. They have an interesting path <laughs> to, to get to a potential final. Um, so all, all, all things said, West Ham's had a successful season, but I'm looking forward to, to Tottenham and, and Arsenal because that game still has to obviously be rescheduled. We don't know, have a date for that just yet, but that could turn into a potential top four battle. Like That could really settle like who who finishes in that fourth spot um, because both of those teams have, have really, uh, especially Arsenal, have surged forward. Tottenham not found consistency, but if they can, and Conte has typically been a manager that when you give him you know, an extra week, or when you have like an extra few days even just to prepare. Um, he's always been a manager that is not necessarily excelled in Europe, but when his team's, you know, when he had that obviously fantastic Chelsea title winning season, that was a Chelsea team that was out of Europe. And you look at the way that he dominated, especially, you know, later into the season uh, with that team. He's a guy that I think once he has more time with his players, uh, it starts to make a lot more sense. Lest we forget the first month and a half of his Chelsea tenure, people wanted him fired. And then he went on to set uh, what at that time was really like a record-setting pace until Liverpool and Manchester City came along a few years later and dusted all of those records, actually. So uh, looking forward to seeing how the Premier League shapes up. Um, we do have a very big and looming game that I'm not looking forward to previewing and not looking forward to talking about afterwards, I, I don't think, in Manchester City-Liverpool, not this weekend, but next weekend. Uh, that I mean, genuinely, it's not often, though, that we've had uh, these big title-deciding games um, in, in really our lifetimes, even. Uh, it's very rare that the two teams at the top of the table clash late in the season where it feels genuinely like a, a title shifting game. The last time these two met under these circumstances, uh, it was January and Manchester City beat them two one. Uh, and what was still just like one of the best games I've, I've ever seen. Uh, and that had the very famous John stones off the line clearance, which became one of my least favorite images, uh, maybe in sports history actually, but uh, looking forward to that. The title race is heating up of course, and the relegation battle is still on. Um, looking forward to resuming all of that this weekend shall we talk a little bit about the fa cup because the semifinals are set we are going to have a manchester city liverpool semifinal which is going to be fantastic chelsea crystal palace and the other semifinal set um city liverpool in the semifinal i think is actually better than them meeting in the final i think if you're neutral i think you're you're more likely to get a little bit of an entertaining game in the semifinal than you do a final where teams just don't want to lose it um no one likes losing in the semifinal of course but I do think it'll be a little bit more open. And Crystal Palace, out of all the poison chalices, I think they got the one with the most likelihood of surviving in Chelsea. Um, although they do have a very strong record against City in the last few seasons. They've, they've had some good results there. But uh, Crystal Palace are, are certainly within a chance of making an FA Cup final, which would be fantastic for them. Uh, can't count them out, of course, but I think all eyes are going to be on the, the City-Liverpool semi. Yeah, uh, I think it was, I, I forget which FIFA it used to be in, but uh, I, I always remember when you would play the cup modes and stuff like that, you get to the semifinal and they had this like special saying, it was like, you know, nobody likes to use the se- lose the semifinal because nobody remembers those guys. <laughs> like, basically paraphrasing, but yeah, it's like nobody remembers the semifinal loser. So um, 
it should be a lot more open, right? Teams are a little more reserved and a little more tactical in the final, making sure that they can ensure that victory. So, yeah, um, that that City Liverpool game is does that come before they meet in the league? Um, I believe it is after. Uh, we're gonna have. Mm. I can remember when we were younger, we had Real Madrid Barcelona like four times within two and a half weeks at like the height, the absolute peak when they were just of, so of those good. of the of that rivalry, um, which was fantastic because they also met you know during that stretch they met in the Copa del Rey and the Champions League. I believe there's a league game in there as well, so it was all like high level games too. Yeah. That was also that birthed one of. Messi's best goals ever, one of his best solo goals ever for sure at the Bernabeu when he went on that like mazy run to score. Um, yeah, it's I don't know that it's quite at that level, um, but there was a possibility too. It obviously didn't happen the Champions League draw that we were going to have Manchester City Liverpool like four times in a month as well. Uh, had they drawn in the, the Champions League and the FA Cup, um, for thankfully for my blood work, that didn't happen because uh, I, I uh, personally. Personally, would not like that, but yeah, they meet uh, the weekend after their league meeting in the FA Cup, so that'll be fantastic to watch for sure. Oh um, yeah, shall we get to Europe actually? Because uh, we we did have the conclusion of the the Champions League uh, first round knockout stage, whatever you'd like to call it, of course. Um, and then we had the draw, but just quickly, Juventus was knocked out by Villarreal. Um, difficult, difficult for for <laughs> for Italian heritage here. Um, Italian clubs have not fared well in, in Champions League recently. It's hilarious because Roma is still, in the last like seven years, the most successful Italian club but just by reaching a semifinal. Um, so they still have that. You still have that, Roma fans. You still have that. that that's their trophy, right? It's that and a bonsai tree. That's a, those hey, are their trophies in the last like 15 years. Listen, all I'm saying is they made a semifinal. And we no beat other Barcelona! <laughs> that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Atletico yeah, moved past. playing now? Uh, I think he's in Greece. Panathinaikos. Yeah. Um, Atletico. Or no, moved... excuse me. Wow, that's disrespectful to any Greek viewers watching. He plays for Olympiakos. Wow. Excuse well, me. That's, that is that is Greek extreme, league, That's a sin, dude. That's the Greek a... league, famously, you don't want to be around the club owners because they do stay strapped. Uh, so I would be careful saying that. <laughs> yeah. Listen. Uh, yeah. Listen. I. I I once dated uh, uh, a Greek girl whose family was a, a Panathinaikos family, and you could not walk into their house and say Olympiakos. You couldn't. <laughs> if you did, you'd get thrown out. You'd probably get beat first, but then you'd get thrown out of the house. Um, Atletico moved past United in what was, I don't know, just like watching a baby drool uh, with Manchester United, just like woefully pathetic performance. Um, remember when Ralph Ragnick was like the grandfather of Gigan pressing and was going to come in and like make this team work really hard, and then they just haven't since? That, that was really funny. Whenever it's, almost pretended. Like, it's almost like Milan knew something. It's just it was just funny when everyone pretended like the guy who hasn't managed in ten years was all of a sudden gonna like lead a revolution and Cristiano Ronaldo was gonna work for him or something. It's crazy. It's weird. Yeah, how, like, wow. It was it almost be like doubly weird if like someone I don't know someone got on this podcast and said exactly that maybe we shouldn't be like throwing our feet and roses at this guy just yet. Let's like actually see how he works because he hasn't worked in ten years. But yeah, it's whatever. It's whatever. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure his uh, consultant role with the, the most heavy air quotes I think I've ever given on this show, uh, will work out just fine. I, I'm sure in a club where famously they don't listen to outside voices and a guy who famously has to have all control, it's going to just go very well. Very, very well. Um, let's go to another draw because this is this is the fantastic stuff here. Um, they also do now, they set up the bracket so you know who your potential semifinal opponent is. So on the one side of the bracket, we have Chelsea versus Madrid. Um, Real, uh, Real Madrid, that is, of course. Um, that's going to be a fantastic one to two fantastic clubs that up until last year had not met in the Champions League. Now we get it two years in a row. Uh, Manchester City versus Atletico. So we could have an all, uh, all, all English or all Spanish semifinal. Uh, we could even have an all Madrid semifinal on that side. Two really good matchups. And definitely the... Um, easier side of the matchup here uh Bayern gets uh Villarreal and Liverpool get Benfica um let's be honest uh, I, I mean that is no discredit or disrespect to Villarreal and Benfica but every team won including Villarreal and Benfica wanted to draw each other um so Bayern and, and Liverpool both get uh those matchups I think the, the clear like 
highlight one there is Chelsea Real Madrid. Um, that's the one I, I think the, the eyes are going to be glued to the most, but certainly can't get past Manchester City, Atletico Madrid, because uh, Atletico have quietly had a little bit, you know, they, they looked a little bit uh, listful at parts this year, and, and there was some concern about their play. I think they've looked a lot better in the last few weeks, um, and I, I think they're not quite at their peak, you know, like 2016, 2017 kind of level, uh, where like you really hated playing that Atletico Madrid, uh, but they are back in a similar type of way. Yeah, I think I think it all depends on what kind of Simeone team comes out, right? Are they going to try to attack and, and, you know, get ahead of Pep's tactics? Or are they going to do, you know, the the stereotypical Atletico Madrid that we're used to seeing in the past few years where they kind of just sit back and, and park themselves uh, into a solid defensive unit and just catch you on the counter? Um, I mean, like you said, they've been exposed and look shaky at times over the course of, you know, the, the European competition. I mean, even Milan had had did have done that to them, right? In, in the two games that they played, uh, they, they kind of exposed some of their weaknesses, but that was such such a long time ago that now they can probably have worked past some of those issues. Um, so it all depends on who they kind of, what kind of team they actually come out with in, you know, the first 20, 25 minutes against City. Uh, because if they if they can keep some of that momentum on their side, they can keep Pep and, and City on their heels. But you know, I'm I'm pretty sure, and I'm a firm believer of, of Pep Guardiola and his tactics, and and just how he can put together a team because of how deep that squad actually is to to really you know handle anything that Atletico can throw at them. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week, and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, both these teams have, have really played well, especially in 2022. Uh, both of them have not lost very many games. And again, I think Atletico, I agree, in the, the group stage did not look their best. Um, really almost didn't even make it out of the groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, but I, I thought they dominated United very well in that in that uh, the first knockout stage. And now we'll, we'll get to see them up against a real big test. And it's a big test for City too, right? Because uh famously pep has kind of overthought some of the matchups at times and listen some luck has gone against city as well um you know champions league as great of a competition as it is part of the reason for that is because there is some luck involved uh there's some coincidence and happenstance it happened every team that has ever made a a a champions league run has gotten some luck along the way uh maybe it's the year for city's you know convergence of talent and luck to actually lead to a trophy but they are going to have a very hard path because no matter what i mean you're going to have to play atletico in this round you get past them you have either chelsea or madrid waiting for you and you most likely barring something spectacular which could definitely happen but you're most likely facing Bayern or liverpool in the final you know that's a tough road ahead uh for city certainly certainly one of the tougher paths that you have it would be nice to see Pep in a final again and, and have a chance to, to win the Champions League once again. Um, you, you're you not obviously going to agree with me on that one because uh, of your allegiances and things like that. But um, as someone who, you know, really did, because I, I loved being in sports so much when I was in high school, you know, watching prime Barcelona almost every weekend when, when Milan wasn't playing. Um. It, it was just something else. And, and I loved what, what Pep did with that Barcelona team. And, and, you know, I, I have a, I, I'm not going to lie. I have a soft spot in my, in my heart for him, not the team, but him. So, you know, like the same thing, like when he was at Byron, I wanted to see him win. You know, I just want to see him win wherever he goes. Um, as long as it's not against my team. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's going to be tough, especially if they do get past Atletico in the second round. 
I'm thinking that they're most likely going to have to face Real Madrid. And and that team, once they get rolling, man, they're a very tough team to beat. Um, you could easily see Real Madrid in the final this year. Uh, but who knows? Like you said, Champions League, you need a little bit of luck on your side. You know, maybe Lukaku takes a Timberland touch in the right direction and he can smash one behind and, and Chelsea ends up in that next round. Who knows? Um, so it's definitely going to be really exciting, especially on that side of the bracket. I mean, I think you and I both said, barring some sort of crazy divine intervention, Bayern and Liverpool should be getting into the next round. So they should, based based on just like where their teams are at. I, I don't want to again discredit Benfica or Villarreal, but uh, they're they're the favorites for a reason. Um, Villarreal had played very well in the Champions League. I thought they thoroughly outplayed Juventus, especially in that second leg, which was shocking too because I was in Italy. Um, I thought they were they're much much the better team. And let's not forget Villarreal had performed very well even last year in Europe, uh, defied the odds against United to win the Euro- uh, the Europa League, like. They're a team that is as not a bad point team. And Emery's a fantastic manager. So I, I can't count him out. And Benfica <laughs> Benfica I, I would say I don't wanna I don't wanna call them pretenders, but like if you look at them compared to how Villarreal performed, Benfica have not quite had the same level of performances, um, but still are very capable of beating Liverpool on, on any given night. Uh, I would say anyone left in Champions League at this stage is worthy of being there. They have earned mm-hmm. this spot. Um I would just like to gloat for a little bit that I got Real Madrid at uh, at plus fourteen hundred uh, to to be title winners for Champions League uh, because for whatever reason people didn't think that they would beat PSG, which was uh, I would say really stupid. Uh, uh. Hey, listen, it is what it is, right? I, I'll take I'll take it however it comes. Let's get to Europa League. Uh, West Ham beat Sevilla. Uh, shocking, they beat the the kings of the Europa League. And Atalanta hung on against Bayer Leverkusen to advance to the next stage. So we got some some juicy juicy matchups in Europa League. Leipzig versus Atalanta, fantastic, fantastic quarterfinal. Really looking forward to that. On that same side of the bracket, we have Braga versus Rangers. Uh, this is a, a a throwback to the last time Rangers went deep into this competition. Uh, so that's fun for the the historical amongst us. And this side of the bracket, wow. I mean. Borderline Champions League esque. You have uh, you have Frankfurt versus Barcelona. That's going to be really really fantastic. Uh, Bar- and- Barcelona with a seven nil aggregate. Come on, now. Uh, yeah, let's not be disrespectful to our to our sons of Frankfurt, shall we? Uh, and then West Ham Lyon. That's a fantastic one as well. This side of the bracket, I think, is giving us the most like the the most fireworks, shall we say? And I, I would be. I think surprised if the winner does not come out of this side. Barcelona have to be the favorites for the Europa League at this point when you consider how they've played, especially under Xavi recently. Xavi ball, baby. It's back. He has. He has. Uh, he's certainly turned that club around quicker than I, I think expected. And, hey, that Usman Dembele guy uh, turns out pretty good. Uh, turns out when you just play him and let him, like, actually just be him. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, who knew? Who knew? Wow. Turns out they may actually keep him in the club. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Who knew? Maybe if you stop putting out hit pieces on him every uh, two weeks and constantly updating about how he was like two minutes late to training, uh, he might play a little better. Who knows? Uh, it's crazy. Crazy. Oh. Um, looking forward to that in Europa League, though. Europa League at this stage always becomes a really interesting watch because I just think these teams are, are fantastic. Uh, a lot of fun to watch. Um, yeah, Barcelona have to be the favorites in this. It would be fantastic to watch West Ham get to like a semifinal against Barcelona. That would be great. But even a, a Lyon-Barcelona semifinal, I know I'm discounting Frankfurt here, but um, Barcelona have to be considered, for my money at least, just based on the way that they performed recently, the favorites. I'm not just going off of uh, name brand here, but Leipzig-Atalanta proposes a really interesting like position here too because I, I think I really do think the representative from that side of the bracket is coming from that matchup. And I, I really like Leipzig a lot. Um, I, I think they've, they've played a lot better in the second half of the season. They've, they've figured some things out. They obviously had some turmoil at the beginning with uh, Jesse Marsh leaving, who's now obviously doing uh, a job at Leeds. But um, yeah, I, I think I can't help but feel that one of Leipzig Atalanta is going to be representing. I would love it for it to be Atalanta, of course, especially because we are uh, an Italian focused uh, podcast, but um, Leipzig as well, I think, would be really fascinating to see them in the final. I mean, Nkunku has been absolutely electric for them right now. He, he is obviously their best player. And uh, with him in the form that he's been in, you can't count Leipzig out. I mean, he can set somebody up with an assist. He can score some goals. He he, he can do it all in that, as an attacking midfielder for them. So, yeah, you can't really sleep on them. Atalanta, not in the most consistent form either. So, 
um, you know, that, that could be a very, very entertaining matchup. I will put some money down on Jans Petterhag to score at least one goal versus Barcelona. Lock it in. <laughs> okay. Um, Atalanta, if they can get healthy, uh, it could be fascinating. I, yeah. I haven't checked in on the health of uh, a lot of their players to see, like, because that, that's been the, the big That's why they've been inconsistent, well. yeah. Uh, it's been, their squad has just been really, really hampered by injury this year for, for a lot of it. Um, so, yeah, if, if they can get healthy, Atalanta could certainly be in a final, which, again, I would love to see it. It could be a good reward for, for how good they've been the last few years. Um, let's just take a look at this weekend's games because we do have some good ones, uh, and league play is returning to us uh, because... Woo! Thank God, right? Like, it uh, feels feels good to have it back. It's it it's strange. I I woke up on the weekend and didn't immediately like, you know, like walk out to uh, my living room to watch to watch. It was games. weird. I had I could actually like lay in bed and read rather than just like immediately get up and start watching soccer. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, Lazio Sassuolo, like we highlighted earlier, is going to be fantastic. The big one, Derby d'Italia this weekend, Juventus against Inter is going to be a really really good one. You also have Atalanta Napoli in the morning. Uh, so a lot of really, really good Serie A games this weekend um, to, to look at. And Milan have the advantage of playing on Monday. So they'll already know going into the game a little bit of of where teams have fallen, perhaps, uh, through the week. Not that it matters, because at this point, you got to win every game. It doesn't matter. Uh, Manchester United Leicester is going to be a fantastic one this weekend in England. Uh, some other games to look at just in terms of uh, potential value for like where the table is. Brighton against Norwich. Norwich obviously really need to, if, if they're going to save themselves, has to start now. Brighton have to stop the skid as well. They've lost six straight. Uh, that's going to be crucial to their season. Leeds against Southampton. Again, another another important one, especially for Leeds to stay away from that relegation zone. And similarly, West Ham against Everton Sunday morning. Uh, Everton still teetering on that relegation spot. And West Ham would like to continue for European places. That's going to be crucial. Don, let's talk a little bit about Italy being knocked out uh, in World Cup qualification. A shocker of all shocks. North Macedonia with a... I got, I, you know, I don't know that this has been said all that much, but Gianluigi Donnarumma got to do better, uh, question mark, because that was tough. Um, not, <laughs> yeah, maybe if he was playing more regularly, he saves that shot. I, I think some cement feet there, as, wow. as I would say. Wow, it's almost like when you take the money and go to a big club with another really top-tier goalkeeper, you may not get all the playing time you thought you were going to get. Wow. Yeah, some Some might say that. Some might say that. We all know the traditional big four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, I guess there is a, a golden tapir that is like a yeah 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 yeah, yeah uh, like yeah, an yeah, award yeah. that people get for just like Conte got it a few times at Inter. Yeah. Well, that's actually the first image that pops up of Conte in a Yankees hat uh, holding up the He's golden so pissed when he got it too. <laughs> um, well, Roberto Mancini took it in stride and received his. They also delivered one on a flatbed truck that was absolutely gigantic that he accepted, and I guess he's gonna find a a place to put. Um, nice. I'm glad he can take it in stride. I guess the fact that they won the Euro has uh, softened the blow a little bit, but the fact that we're going to have another World Cup without Italy is shocking. Um, last time we saw them was, was a very long time ago now. It was 2014. Uh, that's, that's tough. I do think that it's not solely to blame on Mancini. It's not. I do think that it's to blame on how the youth, the Italian youth are developed in Italy. I mean, there's this weird, you know, and, and, and it goes back to something that Allegri said. It goes back to this idea that the youth players have to pay their dues, which basically, you know, they go down to like a Serie C, Serie D team and play on like loan and they go to a Serie B club and, and prove themselves and then get signed by a lowest Serie A team. And then if they're good enough, they'll go to a major Serie A team. And it's like by that time, their youth is completely wasted. And, and how are you 
how are you going to have a team that's competitive in Europe? And, and sorry, not even just, you know, UEFA competitions, but in the world, when you're dealing with a bunch of guys that are 28 and older, yeah. you know, you need these guys who are 22, 23, 24, that can be competitive. Cause you see now that's the trend in a lot of these top national teams. You do have your veterans. I'm, I'm not saying that you need a, a team full of young players, but those special young talents need to be on big teams. They need to be playing. Um, I, I don't have the tweet, the thread that I had that I retweeted I think uh, a few days ago brought up, but you know, it, Italy is very far behind in that aspect where, you do have talent, but they're all playing in like mid-tier clubs and they don't get looked at. I think what I'm, you're discussing is a problem with Italian football in general. Yeah. The, there's not a lot of money. It's one. It's certainly out of like the top five leagues. It's one of the poorer in a sense, mm-hmm. right? In terms of like TV revenue and, and stadium revenue. Um, and that is, I think, a symptom of that is teams don't quite have the option to like necessarily depend on youth, right? Because margins are a lot more thin. Um, so like you do find talent finding its way down a lot more, which is good in a sense, but there is like this, like general, like drip down effect that you get. I think of talent when that happens, where teams aren't able really to hang on to their best talents. And then the, the mid table teams and the lower end teams are not able to hang on to the best talents. Mm-hmm. And then they, they filter upwards because that's just the, the way it goes in Italy a lot. Or um, the filter out of the country. Right. I, I think that's. I think that's one of the the symptoms. Uh, Atalanta, are, I think the the best model for what like Italian youth development could look like. Um, I know a lot of the Italian like top brass were talking a lot about how they need to follow more of the German model, which I, I agree. Like, and the German model is interesting, right? Now, I was actually listening to a really interesting podcasts where uh, the English FA was trying to do something similar, where they've created this central location right and, and italy do have this already like they do have like this like central like university essentially for coaches where they go they do their thesis they do all their work and you know it does like grow as far as managing goes i think italy produced some of the top talent uh, but there, mm-hmm. there needs to be a focus on how you're developing youth players and that's what england is doing at like this very central location right i think it's saint george's park where they're investing a lot of money a lot of time especially in ex-pros like recently retired guys like Stuart downing carlton cole are there uh learning every day about and it's not just how to be the next england you know first team manager how do you like relate to 17 year olds how do you like set how do you like set up drills how do you like explain exactly how, like think about it and that's the hard thing right especially for like ex-players is you know they've played their entire lives just being told what to do and sure they have definitely a sense of the game but when you ask them to create essentially a structure for a, a game or, or for a training session you're asking them to teach and become like mm-hmm. think of like a philosophy how do you want these teams to play and i think that's maybe a weakness in, in what you're seeing with italy's youth development. I, I think with with within italy and and i think it's been you know put in writing for a while now is that it's a lot more tactical they they learn all these tactics and 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 all this extra stuff instead of just really teaching them how to get forward and, and attack and, and defend when you need to and, and how to play quick, right? It's a lot more slower pace in Italy. It's a lot, it's a lot f- more physical, but it's, it's more physical in the sense of like, you know, you kind of sit back and defend. And, and we've, we've said, you know, watching Italy in the Euros and stuff, is this the time that they finally turn the tables and, you know, uh, become more of an attacking and, and counterattacking, you know, very electric style of play, you know, now that Mancini is Mancini is the manager, but you know you you still see it every now and then where the the play grows stagnant and it's all the all this all these tactics instead of you know telling players to you know get creative and get forward and do this and do that and score goals. So um, I do think that that plays an issue in the development of of at least attacking players in Italy. You know, yes, the the midfielders need to know a lot about tactics they they have everything going on they need to be able to pass they need to be able to defend they need to be able to do everything and uh, of course the defenders need to you know be hard-nosed and understand all that stuff as well but i think there's something wrong with with developing the attacking talent in italy where it says a lot that lorenzo and chinye is still 
a, de- a dependent figure. One not league. one non-penalty goal and this season. Been and... underwhelming all season. Was well, underwhelming yeah. in that. I I think that Raspadori should have started that game. Uh, I think Stamaka should have been playing too. Um, Immobile has, has not been good for, for the Zuri really in his career. Like He's not totally translated his form for Lazio uh, for Italy at really any time. I... Listen, you take the most informed talent no matter their, like, you know, if they're young, still, you take the most informed talent in Serie A currently for that game, they beat North Macedonia. You take a, you take players that are wildly inconsistent, and, yeah, you know, they're scoring goals or getting assists, like a Domenico Berardi. Don't even get me started on that miss. And, 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 and look what happens, right? This is what happens. When you depend on two center backs that – have never played a World Cup knockout game in their life. I think that's harsh on Bastonia Mancini, though, and I I don't think. Listen, this is well, no, this, no, this it, is all different too. If Jorginho, no, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about your almost forty year old center backs that get the start still. They didn't and, start in that game though. Oh, they it was it was Mancini and Bastoni. The Chiellini came on late. Um, yeah, like they 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 just got. They're the ones doing all the well, not not Chiellini as much, but Bonucci's doing all this talking where it sounds like he's making mad like hell. If Jorginho excuses, converts that like, penalty in the like uh, group stage of qualifying, they finish top of their group and it it's fine. Uh, it yeah. is frustrating that they they really haven't lost in the last like three years, and uh, you know this they find themselves out of the World Cup, but that's the way it goes. I do think it's strange that the I. You know, and I'm not just saying this because of this specific example, but I feel like if you win your continental competition, you should that should be a berth into the World Cup. I I think that's a little bizarre that it that's not already a passageway. Um, and then you look no at sense. like Afcon as well, and and Africa, where Senegal and Egypt, the two teams that were just in the final of Afcon, clearly two of the best African teams. One of them is not going to be at the World Cup because they're facing each other now, and uh, Egypt have the advantage going into the second leg. It's so stupid. Um, Africa is going to get for 2026. They'll they currently only have five representatives. They'll have I believe it's nine um, in, in that World Cup, which is better for them. But yeah, I mean you look at even like the African uh, setup now, and some of the teams are going to be missing out are very quality teams that I think it'll honestly suck not having them uh, because I think uh, like one of Congo Morocco won't be there, one of Cameroon and Algeria won't be there, one of Mali and Tunisia won't be there, one of Egypt Senegal won't be there, one of Ghana and Nigeria won't be there. Most Every of those team... teams that you said were or have top players and yeah. and like it just makes no sense. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. So Africa, at least in the future, is going to have more representation at, at the World Cup, which is fantastic. Canada qualified for the World Cup, which is great to see. Even Drake was apparently thrilled. The Canadian national team went out to like some high end restaurant and they got a standing ovation and applause. And Drake also happened to be there. So I can only imagine uh, like what the what that scene looked Can't like later. Can't wait to see Drake at soccer games now. And yeah and the soccer bars that Drake is going to put in his songs when the Canadian national team makes a couple couple wins in the World Cup. It's going to be an Alfonso Davies line in there yeah. somewhere. Got my yeah. shooter on the wing like Davies. Or, or <laughs> John, maybe Jonathan David or something will get worked into there too. I'm not so sure. USA uh, took a big step forward uh, for their World Cup qualification. It's obviously not... Uh, set in stone because we know what happened against Trinidad and Tobago last time, so let's not get ahead of ourselves. But uh, they do seem very, very likely to to qualify for the World Cup, rectifying the mistakes uh, from from last cycle, uh, which is good to see. And Mexico, Costa Rica, Panama, Panama seems, uh, I believe, pretty much out of it now for for qualification. But Mexico, Costa Rica for that final playoff spot, we'll see. Um, but. Thank God the U.S. has got through that game, and uh, and and that's over. Um, yeah, and and we also have the conclusion to those UEFA uh, playoffs. We have Poland, Sweden, Portugal, North Macedonia, and Wales. Um, I'm not sure like what I, I think Scotland is advancing directly uh, because obviously there's the Ukraine issue. Scotland was meant to be playing Ukraine. I don't know that that's been resolved yet, uh, what that playoff is necessarily going to look like, uh, but but keep your eye on that. But, yeah, we'll get a conclusion to, to who's going to be at the World Cup, which is fantastic, and it's kind of easy to forget that we're in a World Cup year. That in, uh, in like, six months, we'll, we'll have the World Cup to enjoy uh, over, like, early winter. So that's good. 
I think not really. I don't think it's actually that good, but um, we'll see. Right? <laughs> I just thought of another Drake bar. Tell me a Drake now bar. That, now that lead us, lead us out with a Drake, uh, a Drake bar, Tom. Since you said uh, Jonathan David getting in there, Canadian ting with two D's like David and Davies. Needs work, needs work. But you know what? I like... hey, think about it. Maybe Tamori, it. maybe Tamori will switch allegiance because uh, he can't make the England team, and he does have. Uh, he was born in Canada, so maybe he could uh, also be. He could also join Nigeria. Yeah, well, maybe maybe don't do that yet until you see if they qualify. You know, like play it by ear. Become like a free agent. Like you know, be doted on. That would be massive. That for would be Canada, massive yes. for Canada would be. It would be. Absolutely I'm looking forward massive. to seeing how Canada does because they'll also. Guaranteed for the next World Cup as well because it's a joint U.S. Mexico Canada bid. So Canada back on top, baby. I mean they're going to finish top of the, uh, the. They used to call it the hex. I don't know that anyone calls it the hex anymore. Uh, like the final uh, group stage for World Cup qualifying and Concacaf, but uh, they're going to finish top of that group, which is good. I mean, like they've had a really, really good cycle this time around, and uh, they've they have a lot of talent. It's nice seeing that like the U.S. and Canada are starting to become more competitive in world football as well as just in CONCACAF with Mexico because it used to just be like Mexico owns this and like the U.S. and Canada have to kind of sneak in because no game in CONCACAF is easy no matter what team you're playing just because that's just how it is. And, you know, to see that the U.S. and Canada are becoming more considered powers for less of a better term, I would just a better term. caveat that by saying Canada has not been anywhere near US's level for the last like 25 no. years <laughs> and that's why I'm saying US like, have at least nice... been semi-regular at the World Cup they've made like quarterfinals but that's uh, why it's Canada really has nice. not even touched that water that's why it's nice to see that Canada has this yeah. you know group of young talent that is that is very good playing at top clubs you know you mentioned David you mentioned Davies you know well, these they've got really good players and, and you know it's it's nice to see that they're becoming competitive in CONCACAF so um you know all we can hope as Americans is that Pula Goat puts the team on his back because did you see that tweet um it was it was when Pulisic gets in that fight uh in the game and they're <laughs> they're like Pulisic said to him uh, you don't know where I'm from dog you know what's crazy is I, I remember that being um I don't remember who said that about Clint Dempsey. Uh, I think it wasn't it wasn't it uh Michael Richards he said it, it on I the, think it was yeah and yeah. the thing is like Clint Dempsey kind of does have a rough background like he yeah. grew up with, like like sticks of Texas trailer park ball like I, I, Clint Dempsey you know I think it's fair to say did not have the easiest path to stardom. Um, yeah, I, I, I saw the other clip too, where they cut to Gio Reyna on the sideline. Who's also just like a ball of anger, uh, and how jealous he was that Pulisic was, uh, was getting in the, the Panamanian heads there. But yeah, Pulisic, fantastic performance. I think exercised a lot of demons, uh, from, from 2018. So thank God we can hopefully stop hearing about Trinidad Tobago and move on and enjoy a world cup, two straight world cups guaranteed. Hopefully, hopefully. As long as nothing crazy happens in the last one, please, for the love of Christ, no. Hey, before we're out, name your favorite Trinidad and Tobago soccer player ever. Uh, there's really only one. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, God, Kenwick. Oh. Uh, oh, so close. Uh, what's his last name? That's not, that's not the correct first name, but you're there. Uh, tell me. It's the Kenwin, only one. Kenwin Jones. Kenwin Jones. Big there we body. Go. Big Kenwin body. Jones is the where last. Do, where do is the play, last to. Where do you play in Europe? Uh, he was a Stoke man for a while. I, I remember that. Why did I think Kenwick? Go. I think I like <laughs> anglicized already a pretty like English sounding name in Kenwin. Uh, Kenwick is the like English version of Kenwin, is it not? Like I would say. I, I think like it was. It, yeah. Um, yeah. Kenwin. Kenwin Jones. <laughs> Fantastic little player, right? Well, not little, but <laughs> he was a, a big, strong man. I used to bring him off the bench as a super sub in FIFA just to piss people off because I'd just send crosses into the box. His big body. Well, thankfully, Trinidad cannot hurt us uh, any longer, at least in, in these times. Um, Dom, anything to say besides the, the Kenwin Jones love before we get out of here? Um, 
Sixers are winning the East. Wow, not soccer is, related at all, but <laughs> that is uh, quite the acclaim. Uh, let's hope you're right uh, because that'd be fantastic. I, I hope you enjoy the uh, the lovely spring weather that we're having. To all my spring weather lovers, <laughs> oh, you're yeah. fucking idiots, and this is why you're wrong. Uh, because it's snowing in late March. Uh, I hope you enjoy this weekend's games. I will talk to you next week. Until then, we'll see you.